Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. All right, well, good morning, and thank you, Todd. Uh, I've known Todd a long time. He even taught me to not wear socks, so I'm down with that. All right. Um, Seriously, though, the first life group that my wife and I ever led many years ago uh, had Todd and Jackie in it, which if you've never led a life group for your first time with people who helped plant the church and they're also elders and they're also your section leaders, it was a little intimidating, our first life group, so, but, but we're all still here. So, uh, well, as I said, my name's Brian. Uh, for 14 years, I've been on staff here, been members here. Uh, and I love this church. I want to start out by introducing my family. We have a picture here. Yeah, all right. So my wife, Ashley, we've been married for 14 years. She's courageous and beautiful and wonderful. I can keep going if you want. She said, keep going. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, and, and literally for all but three weeks of our married life, we have been here at this church, uh, and has transformed us. So the, the curly-headed mess that you see in the middle, that is our seven-year-old daughter, Annie. Uh, she, is, she teaches me so much about joy and like unbridled passion and enthusiasm. Uh, we were kind of chuckling because we had taken her for a checkup and, uh, at the doctor, and they said, well, she's in the 10th percentile in height, which, as you can tell by me standing next to Todd, it's not lively to change a whole lot, all right? But if you could measure personality, she'd be like in the 120th percentile. So uh, she's pretty incredible. Love my family. We love being at church here. My wife and I both, she also works here on staff, uh, and we get to lead the young family section of life groups. So there's five incredible life groups there. Well, hey, uh, one of the things about me is I also, I love the church, Okay. I love the church. Like God has just given me a passion for the church and I look back at my life and I see that honestly most of uh, the, the dark moments that I've had in my life, there's been one constant, one place I always know that I could turn for refuge and that was the church, okay? And specifically, and I'm gonna talk about this more today, but a local church, right? Not just the big C church out there somewhere, but a local church where I could connect. Um, Jesus reveals the Father, Right? It says in scripture that, that Jesus is the image, he's the perfect image of the invisible God, which means that anything that we think about God has to square with what we see in Jesus and scripture, or it doesn't really hold, hold up. But I will also say that it's the local church that really helped me see Jesus, all right? Uh, I didn't just learn to see Jesus in a vacuum. He helped, uh, the church helped me see Jesus. I would say the church, probably even more than my own parents who are actually here today. Uh, my parents are here with us. Um, the church, maybe even more than my own parents, has been the biggest single influence in my life in shaping who I am. So I wanna unpack a little bit of history here. I've actually got a pretty long history, uh, legacy of investment in the local church. So I, I talked this out with my mom. I was just wondering like, hey, grandparents and stuff like that, like, were they connected to churches? How long were they connected to churches? So I won't go way into a long family history here, but my grandparents on my mother's side were part of the 8th and Austin Church of Christ, later called Austin Street, uh, for 46 years, 46 years. Uh, after my grandfather passed away, my grandmother moved to the Buckingham Church of Christ in Garland for another 17 years until she passed away. 
my mother attended Austin Street Church of Christ for 27 years. Uh, and then after that, uh, currently Lake Highlands Church in Dallas for 43 years. Don't add it up. She probably wouldn't appreciate that. And just, right. So, um, and then uh, uh, before that, I had family that was a part of the uh, Dyke Church of Christ in Dyke, Texas. Anybody from Dyke? No? All right. I did not and still don't know where that is, but there was a church there at one point, and I had family that was part of it. Uh, I've been a part of Lake Highlands Church in Dallas for 18 years. I was a youth pastor at a church uh, in Amarillo, Texas for five years, and then I've been here for 14. There was one period of my life where I was not connected deeply to a local church, and that was when I was in college. So for any college students in the room or who are worshiping online with us today, I just want to say... My one regret in college was not that I should have done more student government or more fraternity or more, I mean, get, get good grades, right? Study, do well. Uh, but my one regret was that I didn't connect deeply for four years with a church and invest deeply. Um, and that, that would have been life-changing. Probably wouldn't have suffered some of the brokenness and the dumb decisions I did uh, because I made the choice not to be invested. I kind of bounced around to all different churches and kind of went where it was cool and and um, probably never more than like six months, maybe to a year at any one church. And so that's my one regret. So my heart for the church is I want to cheer her on. I want to make her beautiful. Uh, I love the church. I'm not going to say a disparaging word about the church. I know that sometimes there are issues. I'm not blind to that fact. Uh, but the reality is I, I love the church. I love the church. So, um, well, I had a, a kind of a humbling revelation about the church a few weeks ago, um, actually a couple months ago. Uh, me and a couple friends went on a canoe trip to celebrate uh, somebody's birthday. And we were having a great time doing man stuff, and, and it was a blast. And we had just uh, had lunch on this little island in the middle of the Brazos River, uh, and it was, it was beautiful. It was awesome, right? And we were getting back in the water, and my friend jumps in the kayak, and I bend down to push the kayak into the water, and then pow, like this like pain goes up my back, okay? Yeah, I, Charles Barkley said it, and I believe it, Father Time is undefeated. And so I was, I was down for the count. I, was, I went down, we were three and a half miles away from our car, all right? So I was like, how am I gonna get back? And so I, I, I were trying to, I'm just standing there with an oar like this because it's all I can do while I'm thinking, like, maybe it'll get better, but you know it won't. Like, you know, like, <laughs> this hurts bad enough that this is a real problem. So uh, here was our solution here. We have a picture, humbling, there I am. Uh, so uh, my buddies Mark and Trevor, uh, they made a little bed for me in the canoe, and Trevor graciously rowed me back. All I needed was my parasol and some... <laughs> grapes and I'd been set. Um, and it's humbling because we're going down the river and there's all these dudes like military fatigues fishing. And I'm like, hey, hey. Um, so thank you, God, for humility. So, uh, so here's the revelation. You can uh, please take the picture down. Yeah, there we go. All right. Um, so uh, uh, here's the revelation is I got back to the house and I'm like hobbling around. And I've always heard and grown up knowing that people need Jesus, Right. Like we, we wouldn't, hopefully not here, we wouldn't argue that fact. People need Jesus. But I realize that people also need the church. You see, those guys, we, we walk in community together, we're in life group together, and the reality is I'm not getting back from that rock where we ate lunch without them literally like carrying me and helping me, okay? 
And, and that's a great picture for the church. That's a great picture for the church. Um, people need Jesus, but they also need the church. Now, I know some of you may say, hey, Brian, I love the big C church, and I'm gonna use that term a little bit. What I mean by the big C church is this church that spans all around the globe. It's mega church and gigantic buildings. Some of them look like office buildings. It's in a small church in a rural town in the middle of a city. It's above ground, underground, in a coffee shop, house. It's all over the world and speaks just about every language. That's the global church, right? And when it's easy to say, hey, I love that church. I'm down with that. It's kind of like Starbucks, right? Like, I don't really care which Starbucks I go to as long as I go to a Starbucks and get my coffee because it's pretty much the same. But I just want to say, I feel like there's a lot of value in being connected to the local church. The reality is that we are formed socially. No one is formed in a vacuum, okay? Uh, I, I learned how to, to walk, how to talk, how to do all sorts of things because of being in my home, watching my parents, watching my big brother, and, and learning, right? I learned in a home. We learn socially. Uh, so a choice not to be formed by one group is, is maybe an unconscious choice to be formed by something else. But we will be formed socially, okay? Um, parents, we know this. It's why we pay close attention to who our kids hang out with, all right? Uh, if you see your kids hanging out with idiots, you're concerned because you know that your kid's gonna make some dumb decisions, okay? Micah uh, Sharsberg, our executive pastor, has a great saying. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, uh, we will begin to look like who we spend time around. Uh, you will be formed by the tribe you spend time with. I love listening to the Ideology podcast, Drew Steadman and McMurray out of Antioch, Waco, and they just have some great wisdom. I'd highly recommend uh, that podcast wherever you find your podcast. Um, maybe they'll give me a kickback for that. I just don't think they make any money on that. But anyway, um, it's some great theology, and I highly recommend it. But th this is something they said that really stood out to me that says that following Christ requires us to be formed by a community not just occasionally show up at a church service, all right? So I would argue that it's, it's not possible to follow Jesus apart from connection with a local church, all right? I say that with a smile on my face, love you guys, but I just, I, I, I've never found a way to do it and I don't know anybody who's done that, okay? Um, there is beauty and there's power in being formed into the image of Christ through the local church through a long relationship over time. So I want to unpack this really by looking at the church in Scripture a little bit, just how Jesus sees his church, uh, and, and, and really then how I have struggled. So at least, if nothing else, you'll hear my struggles and then feel better about your own. Uh, but I, I want to just share a little bit of how I've been struggled and honestly been tempted to bail at times on the local church, um, which, hey, sometimes doesn't always live up to its calling, right? And so I want to share a little bit about that this morning. But the main thing where we're going here today is that we are formed into the image of Jesus through consistent social interaction with the local church over the long haul. And when I mean social interaction, I'm not talking about like just having social get-togethers, like playing games. That's part of it for sure. But I'm going to unpack this, what I mean by social. Uh, we're formed socially by being together, by, by living out these habits, these practices of family that define us as the people of God. And as we do that, we begin to look uh, more like Jesus. Another word we use for this here is discipleship, right? It's discipleship. So 
Um, it's good for us to understand how Jesus sees his church. We gotta understand that local churches may not always live up to Jesus' vision of his church, but that doesn't negate or cancel all local churches, right? Um, This is, regardless of whether we've experienced that or not, this is how Jesus sees his church, okay? Um, We often see this, the, the, the triune God will speak to things that aren't as though they were. All right, you sometimes do this probably when your kid brings you something to art and you're like, that's a great, that's a great tree. And they're like, that's not a tree. And you're like, it could be. But it's beautiful, whatever it is, right? Okay, because you're speaking to things that aren't as they are and you see the beauty in it, right? You're not lying, you see the beauty in it. All right, and so God does that. Uh, this is not like a, a blind optimism or some kind of name it and claim it uh, uh, theology, but rather God sets the standard of who we are as his people, and then he relentlessly calls us upward to that standard again and again and again, and then he provides the grace for us to live that out, okay? Dietrich Bonhoeffer offers some great wisdom here. He says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, all right? So we're gonna unpack the ideal, like this is how Jesus sees the church. And then rather than say, well, here's where the church isn't that, we're gonna work together, partner with Jesus to make his church beautiful, right? That's my heart. All right, so hey, we're gonna put a bunch of scriptures up here. These, I I believe, will be in the app as well, but I'm not gonna read all these scriptures because there's a lot, but I just wanna do a real quick flyover of what we see the church is in scripture. So so what you, the, the church is not somewhere out there, it's here. So you're sitting in all of these things right now, and it's not because of this building. This is an old cafeteria. There's really nothing very spectacular about it. Matter of fact, I've seen a lot of this building, and there's a lot of unspectacular things about it, but we're thankful for it, okay? Um, but it's the people that are gathered. That's what we're talking about here. Not places, but people that are gathered. So, hey, let's dive in here. Matthew 16, 18, hell cannot stop it. That's a great starting point. Hell can't stop it. Acts 20, 28, it is valuable beyond measure. God said, this is worth giving the life of my only son and spilling his blood out for this people. It's valuable beyond measure. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it's a worldwide multi-ethnic temple constructed on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. Here's the thing about the temple. Where you are right now, it's the people of God. The, the temple was the thin place where, where earth and where heaven meet. That little place right there where earth and heaven meet, that is the church. You're right now in the place where heaven and earth meet. Heaven's breaking in, all right? We got, we got to remember that because sometimes it doesn't always feel like it. Sometimes life is mundane. Sometimes your kids throw a fit when you drop them off to go there. And it doesn't feel like heaven's breaking in, but this is the place where heaven is breaking in to earth, all right? Uh, Romans 12, 5, we are a body where each member belongs to the others. It is an intertwined, intimate community. Matthew 18, 20, it's a gathered people marked by God's presence. 1 Timothy 3, 15, the pillar and foundation of truth. We could probably camp out there for a while, but we're going to keep moving. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, a unified body. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. This one blows me away. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you want to see a full picture of who Jesus is, then you need to be a part of the local church. That's how we see the fullness of this God who fills everything in every way. All right? All right. All right. 
Lost my place. All right, 1 Peter 2, 5, spiritual house, uh, a temple, holy priesthood. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I love that, God's special possession. Acts 2, 42 through 47, we see this picture of an intimate family that shared possessions in time freely with one another. Ephesians 3.10, the way God reveals his manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He doesn't do that through academia or through any other thing. He does it through his church, okay? Powerful. James 5.16, place where we pursue and receive healing and forgiveness and true freedom. In Ephesians 5.25-27, the stainless, pure, radiant bride without blemish. Even look at how the church began. Today's Pentecost Sunday, and that's where we see the church really began. Uh, here's the deal. If you've never started an organization, lots of times organizations start with maybe a dream, and somebody's like, hey, I have a great idea. What if we could find a way to deliver anything that you ever wanted to order to somebody's house and then leave it there on the door and take a picture of it and let them know that it got there, right? What if we could do that, right? That's exciting. And then there becomes this long process of filling out ridiculous forms uh, to let the government know that we're forming a we a sole proprietor corporation. I don't know. I'm going to check this box. All right. So this is how like a lot of corporations and things begin. The church, the church is not just a 501c3 that filled out a form and, and got, got, you know, a, a stamp on it that says you're approved. The church began by people in a room crying out for the presence of God. And then the Holy Spirit showed up. The doors blew open. Tongues of fire fell on people's heads. I don't know what a tongue of fire is. I know that I'll know it when I see it, all right, and it falls on people's heads, and then the wind starts blowing, and they start speaking in different languages, and everybody around says, what's all the commotion? They start understanding, everybody comes running, and then Peter, the guy who couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth, is preaching, and then people are saying, what must I do to be saved? And then 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a good start to an organization, and I guarantee there's no other organization on earth that started that way. In Acts chapter 9, when Jesus confronts Paul, who's mercilessly persecuting the big C church by arresting and breaking up these little local churches, all right, he doesn't say, hey, lay off the church, bro. He says, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus and the church are one. You can't separate the two. You can't have one without the other. You have church without Jesus, and it's either weird or it's boring, all right? And if you have Jesus without the church... Man, you can drift off into all kinds of mess, all right? There's one reason the writer of Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. That's not the church attendance verse, y'all. Like, that's how we use that a lot of times. It's a, hey, it's about church attendance. But I really feel like the writer of Hebrews knows it's because that we are formed by this intimate community, all right? Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this, that, and, I'll, and I'll unpack this a little bit more later. Uh, uh, you, can, you can attend and not be formed, right? You can attend and not be formed. But I will also say, I, I don't know that it's possible to be formed and not at some level attend and participate, right? All right. All right. So uh, now, now you get to hear about all my struggles. Y'all want to hear about my struggles? Yay. All right. That's messed up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. All um, right. So in my life, I really feel like there are three big things I was kind of unpacking this that have made me uh, just want to walk away or disconnect, get frustrated. So the first thing is here is church hurts, all right? We hear this phrase a lot, the church has hurt me. Uh, um, everyone at some point probably has been uh, or, or, or will be hurt at church, okay? 
We were going to put that on the sign out front, but we, <laughs> we felt like just a passion for Jesus and his purpose in the earth is probably better. Um, here's the deal. I, I, I want to I kind of unpack this a little bit. I, I think why, why are church hurts, why are they so powerful? I, I think there are a couple reasons that I can kind of think of, and, and, and I feel like one is maybe a little errant, and I feel like the other one is uh, uh, maybe a little more accurate. I think one is that we feel like the church is a people among whom this shouldn't happen. Like, nobody should ever be mean to me or, or do something that offends me. Um, but the more I think about it, I feel like that's actually not really the case, right? So, so I'll use a political example because everybody loves politics. Um, so if you, if you have Republicans over here doing Republican things, they might be some disagreements, some frustration, but the reality is they're probably all fairly like-minded to some degree and may not get in a huge argument. And then over here, you have Democrats doing Democrat things, and you've got the same thing over here. They may not get real upset at each other because mostly they agree. But then if you say, hey, I want you guys both to put aside your ideologies and the things that you think make the world work, and we're going to gather here in this one place as a people called the church, and we're going to say that Jesus is king, and, and then we're going to have to learn to do life together, you're gonna get some friction, right? You're gonna get some friction because, because the reality is the church is the only place that's saying we're not just gonna be a bunch of like-minded people that look, like every, look, like the, look the same and do everything the same way. We're gonna be a people of every different tribe, tongue, language, background, uh, economic status, and we're all gonna come together in one place. I mean, Jesus only had 12, and they like, were all the time could get along, right? And he only had 12, Imagine what it was like when 3,000 were added to their number that day. They were like, these people don't even speak the same language. What do we do? All right? It's crazy. I love this, though. And so that really sets it up for some friction that we get to work through. I think that's also, by the way, the power of the church, right? Um, and then I think the other thing that's a little more accurate is that we see what the church should be, how it's described in Scripture, and when we get hurt, maybe it's a little deflating. You feel like, man, I see this, and, and maybe my experience was here, all right? And our experience doesn't often align with our expectations, okay? So I want to clarify two quick things. One, when I'm talking about church hurts, I'm not talking about like religious, verbal, sexual, uh, uh, physical abuse. Man, that, th those are sad. Those are real problems. And I just want to say, if you are visiting in town and you are at a church like that or you're worshiping with us online and you're at a place like that, that is not healthy and you need, you need to flee, Okay? That doesn't mean that all churches are bad, but, but that one is not a good place, all right? And I also wanna say that while I don't urge bouncing around different local churches like every few years, uh, some of you have had real hurts and offenses. Maybe they're not some of those big things I mentioned just a second ago. Maybe they're like, man, I, somebody offended me and I went to them about it and they kind of blew me off. Or maybe they even persecuted me a little bit and that just hurt deeply in my soul. And I'm saying those hurts are real. This is not saying the hurts aren't real. They are real, and I just want to say that you can love, heal, and forgive, and sometimes that may need to be at a distance. And I'm going to share actually a story kind of where that was the case for me. As a matter of fact, you may need to leave that place and go to a place where you can grow and thrive, okay, uh, to really do so properly. So uh, I was a youth pastor uh, for five years in Amarillo, and people asked me, say, were well, you a pretty good youth pastor? And I'm like, well, I have, that was a long time ago, and I'm not a youth pastor now, so you decide. I do want to say, give your youth pastor a hug when you see him. Uh, if you're visiting from out of town, as soon as you get back, go find your youth pastor, give him a hug, because this is a hard job. Uh, I used to have people that would tell me, 
uh, when are you going to get a real job? And I said, a real job? It's like, have you been around your kid lately? Um, all right. We're also blessed here. We have an amazing youth ministry. You guys are incredible. Um, these, these guys are the tip of the sword. They're living it out, hearing great testimonies. I love it. I love it. So, um, well, uh, so basically there's this one parent, and man, we just did not get along. We, like, we try, I tried, he tried, and we just, like, from day one, it was, like, intense friction. It was always, I always felt judged by him. Now, I will go ahead and say that, you know, how many times do you feel like, oh, they're 100% wrong, it's not me, and then over time you realize, ah, it might have been more me than I thought it was, um, and it totally was. I was so arrogant, and I thought I knew all the answers, and I thought I had to do Everything my own, if I took any ideas from anybody else that it wouldn't count or whatever, I don't know exactly what I was thinking back then. But um, this kind of came to a head where we were doing this event and we didn't have any food for the kids, which to me, I didn't even really think about it being a big deal. And this dude, like, he just flew off the handle, like, finger in my face and screaming and just, and it was awkward. There are people around. I mean, it had been awkward, it was just the two of us, but it was really awkward because there are people around. And then he left, and you feel like you got to say something to like, hey, yeah, I guess I should have got food. But I remember I just went to the restroom, and, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done with ministry. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, people are mean. That guy's mean, all right? Um, so I, I was done. Well, it, later, uh, my wife and I, we did feel released by the Lord. And I want to say we felt released by the Lord to leave that place. I didn't just storm out and go. I wanted to. And, and she probably talked me in off the ledge and said, no, we need to be faithful. And so, uh, uh, so we, we, we stayed, and we felt like it was time to go. We left, come here. And I hear somebody teaching in the discipleship school about forgiveness. You know what's coming. And so I'm like, good, I need to find all the people who hurt me and tell them to forgive me. But that's not how it works, right? It starts with me. I can't control them, but I can own my part of the problem and say, will you forgive me? And then I feel like the Lord putting this guy in my heart. So I'm like, well, maybe, I probably don't even have his number, so it's, I'll try God. And I look it up, I'm like, oh, there, there's his number. <laughs> so um, call him. I let it ring, about half a ring, and I'm assuming he's probably not gonna answer. So I'm like, I did, I did my best, God. He answers, and I just say, hey, bro, I don't know if you remember me, because um, I, I remember you. But uh, it, and here's what happened. I just said, hey, I just want to apologize. I feel like I did not give you the benefit of the doubt. I judged you, and I did. All these things are true. I was guilty as charged. And I, I just said, will you please forgive me? And he said, I forgive you. And he said, you know what? I'm so glad you called. Because at that time in my life, I was building a business, and I was working 70, 80 hours a week, and I was worn out. I was stressed. I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. And, and I, was, I just lost sight of things that really mattered. You see, Jamie says this all the time. It's not really about that thing. It's always something else going on. And that like hit me square between the eyes. And then we had the most awesome talk after that just about what's going on in his family, what the Lord's doing. Well, here's the crazy thing. A few years later, uh, uh, somebody passed away at that church that we were very close to and we went back for the funeral. And you know when you're like, uh, like they make Hallmark movies out of this stuff, okay? Where you go and you realize that like I'm gonna go and it's gonna be awkward because I'm gonna see people I haven't seen in forever and some of them hurt me. But the cool thing is, is when I forgave them and released them, it was like pure joy. When I saw people, it wasn't like, uh, it was like, I love you. How have you been? And I, and I have no, like, I love that church, okay? Now, hey, here's the deal. Like, I, we, didn't, we didn't stay there. We felt, I don't think we would have been able to heal the way we healed if we hadn't been here for the past 14 years, all right? We needed to be around people who could help us heal. But I love that church, and I'm gonna bless that church, all right? So there's a reality that, that hey, we, we, have, we have hurts,
Um, and I wanna say it's always easier to leave in the short run, but what's the long-term cost? What makes the local church powerful is that people turn toward one another and ask for forgiveness and forgive one another, and the power is that we stay long enough to actually mature. I, I've, and I'll tell you, hey, I've been hurt by people in this room. Matter of fact, raise your, no, I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> send me an email. Uh, but hey, I've been hurt by people in this room, and, and, and I've hurt people in this room, because some of you have come to me and said, hey, that hurt. And I thank you for doing that. It's awkward, I don't like it, I don't like knowing I hurt somebody, but it's such a blessing to be able to work it out and then to be able to worship. Like That's why the bond is so tight because we can walk through this stuff together. So you will find amazing power, beauty, and healing by staying, turning toward, growing with, and being formed by the local church. Second thing I wanna unpack is unmet expectations. In 2010, my wife and I had gone to a missions conference called World Mandate. It's a conference the Antioch Movement puts on. Uh, and at this point in time, it was at the Farrell Center in, uh, Bay at Baylor uh, down in Waco. And so it's just a conference where, man, the, the whole idea is we wanna get people excited, pumped up, encounter God, and then just send them out to their own cities and to the nations of the earth, right? And so I had been crying out to God for just a like move of God, Holy Spirit, come fill me, Holy Spirit, come. But I wanted one of those weird, tangible things that you hear the stories about and you like, you're kind of like, I don't know if I believe that, but that sounds really cool. Like I hear Jamie talk about like seeing Jesus like with his eyes closed and having a vision of Jesus there. And people saying like, man, it was like rivers of liquid love, which I'm like, sounds weird and sticky, but I don't know. But it's just like this rivers of liquid love and people are like, man, it's crazy stuff happened. So I wanted that because I felt like it would validate my faith, right? I felt like it would validate my faith. And so we were crying out for this. Well, it so happens it's Saturday night. And if you know anything about retreats and camps, Saturday night is where it all goes down. That's like where all the cool stuff happens. Everybody's crying and all sorts of stuff. And so they have this, the only guy named Robert Herber from All Peoples in San Diego. Uh, it's one of the Antioch Church is speaking, and he just says, uh, uh, he says, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to move tonight. And man, was he right. Like, all heaven broke loose at that moment. And he's just praying, and then people are like uh, speaking in tongues, and then other people are falling down, and other people are, okay, I grew up in a church tradition where this was not the norm, so I'm kind of like, ha, 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 and so, uh, and, and man, it, everything's going crazy. People are weeping. People are laughing uncontrollably. People are getting healed. People are getting visions about nations. I guarantee there are people, I, I don't know who they are, but that are in the nations because of a vision that they had that night. I mean, just stuff was going on. And in the middle of it all, stand my wife and I like the rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> and we are unmoved. And I didn't open my eyes because I've watched uh, uh, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I was like, I don't, you don't open your eyes, I think, I don't know, I don't think that's biblical. So I'm standing there like this and I'm waiting and, and I'm just waiting, like here it comes. And, and nothing happens. But then it gets, it gets a little bit worse, right? Because then I feel a hand on my face and somebody's praying for me and then another hand comes in. And I realized it's like leaders from like Antioch, Waco, like of the movement, and they're praying for it. Like, it must be bad if they had to come down off the stage and pray over us to receive the Holy Spirit. So uh, now here's the deal. All kidding aside, after that moment, I was devastated because I thought, you know, in your mind, you kind of, everybody had some crazy experience and I didn't. Everybody got blessed with the thing that I was crying out for. 
And so I was devastated. Like, bottom lip is quivering, eyes are tearing up, and I just want to go home. I want to get in the car, and I want to go home. And so I sit down in my seat, go back, sit down, and, and Jimmy Seibert starts sharing a few parting things. And you know, if you know anything about World Mandate, they're always going to end with a couple upbeat songs and then finish with Jira and all that stuff. And so then the, the bass starts coming in, the boom, 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 and they're starting getting ready to go. And I just had this moment, like this, this like there's a fork in the road, and, and the, the, the thing you choose to do now is, is going to bear fruit in your life. And what's that fruit going to be? So we got up, and, and my wife and I, uh, uh, we said, hey, let, let's, let's go down and just worship. And so we go down and worship, and they're doing that song, Oh, Lord, my rock, you're my redeemer. Some I mean, you know that song. And when they get to the hallelujah, hallelujah, like I'm jumping up and down, and it, was, it ended like we just worshiped until we had nothing left. I was so sweaty and drenched, I had to wash my head in the sink in the men's restroom at, at Baylor Farrell Arena. It was like awkward, like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> right? But here's the deal. I, 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 something happened in us in that moment that I can't quantify, but I do know one thing, that if we had left, we would have missed it. Okay? Um, some of you are facing unmet expectations, and when your expectations are not, uh, are not met, that's not a reason uh, necessarily to leave, and it's also not a reason necessarily to change your expectations. You know, my temptation in that moment was to redefine truth, like I'm the only one that's real, these people are all faking here, and I'm the only one that's really dialed in with the Lord, God doesn't do that anymore, whatever the thing is to justify it, but the reality is I want to get in that secret place with the Lord, and I want to keep praying and crying out until my experience matches what I, what I see in Scripture, right? I don't want to bring Scripture down to my experience. And, and here, here's kind of the other thing. I'll go ahead and catch you up to where we are today. I still haven't had one of those like wild and crazy experiences. But I've learned that the Holy Spirit absolutely does work in me and through me. It just doesn't look like it does for this person over here or this person over here. And I think some of you need to hear that this morning because you're like waiting on this thing to happen. I want to say quit waiting because God is moving in and through you. And it's okay if it doesn't look like that. So I'm good there. I'm good there. Sometimes the enemy kind of brings that up a little bit, but... Uh, uh, I'm good and I'm continuing to grow and move forward. So um, I think it's important to continue just to fight and, and press on. Let's see, I did that. All right, here we go. So I'm gonna geek out on y'all just a little bit, share a quote from Lord of the Rings, my favorite movies ever, period. Um, in Lord of the Rings, I'm not gonna unpack the whole thing for you and this is probably not gonna make a whole lot of sense to you if you've never seen it, but uh, there's two hobbits. They're like little people with hairy feet and so... What happens is Frodo and Sam are together and they're trying, anyway, so they're, they're, all hope seems lost. And they realize that this quest to save Earth may fail. And Sam says this, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. I know now folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And I want to say with the church, it's like that. There are times that I'm like, I've wanted to turn back, but it is so worth it to hold on and to say, I believe this is what the church is. I agree with Jesus, and I'm going to keep fighting for that. And that means I'm going to stay connected to it. And that brings us really to 
Uh, uh, oh, uh, one big thing here. Uh, so there's great power and beauty in continuing on this journey with Jesus despite pain and disappointment. And the only way to make it is with the local church. And that brings us to the last point, And this is one I know that everybody in this room is going to resonate with, the busyness of life. Um, as I enter this later season, I learned that life does not trend towards less busy. There is no day when suddenly everything falls off your calendar onto the floor. And you're like, hey, it's finally clear. Everything is done, right? <laughs> it doesn't happen. It just like, I figure that life just, it gets busier. It's always gonna trend towards busier. Raise your hand if you feel like you don't have enough hours during the day. Some of you are like, I have too many hours during the day. I would opt for less. All right. So, uh, um, I love listening to this guy named Michael Hyatt. Uh, he is a, a great speaker, writer, uh, was former CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, and he says, we don't have a time management problem, we have a self-management problem. That kind of hurt a little bit, Mike. Um, so here's the deal, I have the same number of hours in the day that Steve Jobs had, I have the same number of hours in the day that Elon Musk has, I have the same hours in a day that Paul had or, or that Mother Teresa had. The question is not how many hours we have, it's just what are we gonna choose to invest them in, what are we gonna choose to spend them on? The truth is, you cannot do it all. This is like, you get confronted with this more than you think. Every Thanksgiving, you go to grandma's house and there's a huge spread of food and if you eat it all, you will explode. You have to pace yourself. You have to say, I'm going to eat a little bit of this. I'm a little bit of that. I don't know what the pink stuff is. I'm not going to do that. But I want to save room for pie, which means I can't eat all of this, or I'm going to have to say no to pie or hurt myself severely. So, right, we have to choose. And here's the deal. All the things are good, but we just can't have all of them. So saying no sometimes means that we may have to say no to things that are good. To be formed by a local church in an intimate part of the family, it will likely cost you something. You will have to say no to things, maybe even good things. You see, my, my wife and I, we've made connection with this local church uh, because of that legacy, because of what my parents modeled for me and, and grandparents. Uh, uh, we've made connection through Sunday service, life group, prayer meetings, worship nights. We've made these things a priority, which means we've had to say no to some other things. Um, I have friends here. I have community here. I have life here because we've spent time here. Those things didn't happen after three weeks, okay? They've happened over the course of years. We've spent time here over the long haul, and that's why we have history here. You, you cannot be connected to this local church and receive the benefits that come with intimate connection to this eternal people and be a part of all that I mentioned above about the church without time. It requires time. Um, so I would ask you, just if you feel like, hey, I just feel like the church isn't really lining up, just take a look at your calendar. How much space is there to connect with the people of God? So kind of some family, I want to share you a little bit about why this matters. So in our family, we have a lot of traditions that mark us as brushes. And as I was going through these, it's like most of these have to do with breakfast. But anyway, um, every morning we share what we call thankfuls. There were things you were thankful for, right? The other day, uh, uh, this week, we, we, we just kind of got in a conversation, kind of got lost in conversation. And my daughter goes, wait a minute. We didn't do our thankfuls. So we're like, all right, lead out, do your thankfuls. And so she starts sharing what she's thankful for, right? It's pretty mundane. A lot of times the thankfuls are kind of goofier. It's the same thing every day, right? Uh, but it's sowing something into her. We do uh, uh, Friday mornings. Her and I eat cereal at the bar in, in our house. 
uh, we, we have cereal and it's just me and my daughter and we talk and we just share life and we laugh and we have a great time. We do the mazes on the back of the cereal box uh, and, and it, it's great. And so uh, we do like a Saturday morning family breakfast. Yeah, I told you, like breakfast seems to be a sweet spot for us. Uh, we do a Saturday morning breakfast. At Christmas, uh, we do um, after the Friday after Thanksgiving, we go to the hallowed uh, uh, tree farm right outside uh, Home Depot. It's in the parking lot. And, and we buy our Christmas tree. We decorate for Christmas and we end the day by uh, roasting marshmallows over a campfire making s'mores. We also don't eat very healthy is what I'm learning as we do this. <laughs> like, my wife would have to know that she, she cooks very healthy meals and we do try to eat healthy most of the time. Um, but these things and a host of others are, are part of what define us as the Brush family, right? It's not the big moments. Like we got the opportunity to go to Disney World uh, uh, at the very end of this last year and it was awesome, but, but that doesn't really mark us as much as these little moments that we do again and again and again and again, and again, and again over time. Those are the things that mark us, right? Those are the things that mark us. So there's power and beauty in paying the cost to connect with, uh, to connect, walk with, and grow to maturity in the context of the local church. So the question then as we close is why does this matter? Uh, so I wanna read a little bit out of Hebrews 11. Um, this knows the Faith Hall of Fame, and I, I always thought that maybe the Faith Hall of Fame it's like because people did big stuff, right? Cool acts that you're like, wow, that's awesome. But I, the, the, the big thing is that actually they were faithful to the point that they lived their lives and paid a cost for something they never got to enjoy. They never got to see in the flesh, okay? So I'm gonna read a little bit about that and I'll just kind of make a connection here for you. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses eight through 16. It'll be up here on the screen as well. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I just want to point out that guys had that problem back then too. Um, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. When he died, remember, there was Ishmael and there was a child of promise, Isaac. That's two. That's a lame beach right there, okay? <laughs> There's two grains of sand, right? But... That's not what he was focused on. He was looking at God's promise and said that he who promises faithful. So here's the deal. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So here's the question then, is what's the legacy that we're gonna leave behind for the generations that come after us? We are formed socially, and we are living for and we are cultivating something that will grow. We may not see its fruit, but 
our kids, grandkids, great-grandkids will see that fruit. They may even be the ones to have to eat that fruit. So what kind of connection to the church, this people of God, are we cultivating? Now, I want to say, hey, I'm in charge of, 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 of my own, like feeding myself, right? And, I'm, and my wife and I, we're in charge of discipling Annie. But I also want Annie to be intimately connected with the local church because we're not always going to be around. And when she goes off to college, I don't want her to be leaving the only people who form her spiritually. I want her to get connected to a church and be a part of a people who will continue that spiritual formation. Because, by the way, it doesn't stop. You never get to the point where you're there and, hey, got it, all right? You keep going. Um, I want to close with a thought here from this ideology podcast again. It says, if you aren't connected and involved actively in a church that has strong formative power in the context of community, then it's just a matter of time until the habits and values of secularism shape you. Here's the point. I'm not trying to shame anybody about church attendance. This is not about church attendance. I'm not concerned about that. What I am trying to do is invite you into a community of people that is so rich and so life-giving and so beautiful that will form you and transform you until you don't recognize yourself in a few years. I look back at where I was 14 years ago and I can't believe that this is me now, okay? Because I used to be depressed and broken and sad and just focused on myself and me, me, me and, and always comparison. And do I still struggle with some of those things sometimes? Absolutely, I do. But I don't look like that anymore. And it's not because I just read every self-help book. It's not because I listened to enough podcasts. It's because I did life with this community of God that is on this trajectory toward Jesus. You will be shaped by something. Actively press into one local church for the long haul and be shaped more into the image of Jesus Christ through community or choose not to, but you'll be actively shaped by something different. There's no neutral, right? Both choices will bear fruit in our lives. So what I want to do is I want to enter into a time of ministry. Let's go ahead and stand up. Band, go ahead and come forward. Or band, come up. You guys can come forward unless you need prayer, I guess. Um, this is something we do at Antioch all the time. It's because we don't want to just hear the word, right? We want to do the word, right? It's not just, we're not just after education and getting more knowledge. We actually want to live these things out in our lives, put them into practice, and so as I was praying, I just felt like there were a few things. Now, you can come forward for whatever you need prayer for, but there are a few specific things. And one is, if you just feel distant from or disconnected from the church for any reason, I just felt like I saw a picture, you know, the, the, the middle school dance, and it's like it's the final song, and everyone pairs off. And I feel like some of you feel like the kid still who didn't get to pair off with anybody. And I just want to say that, that, that man, that, let's just let that end today because I used to live my life there. And let's let that end today. You don't have to be distant or disconnected. There is a place for you here. If you need to forgive someone or ask for forgiveness, you may be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. It's hard. Hey, start by coming forward and getting prayer. I need help. Maybe you're dealing with intense disappointment that's pushing you away. Maybe my story about just you're crying out for something you haven't seen and you just feel like I'm about to give up, I'm about done. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We'll keep going with you. I'll keep going with you. All right? Let's keep going. So if that's you, then come forward and get prayer. And then if you just feel like you don't have the time or energy, like life is so busy and looking at your calendar just terrifies you, and you feel like, I just don't know that I have time to 
to be connected. I don't know where it would fit in. Come get prayer. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start and get prayer. Whatever your need is, if you need healing, whatever it is, come forward and get prayer. Let me pray and bless you guys. Lord, we love you and we just pray your blessing. Lord, would you move in this room as you did on Pentecost Sunday. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move. Fill people. Touch people where they need a touch. You are worthy, God. We give you praise. Just move in us now in your name. Amen. Just come forward and receive prayer.